This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, June 6th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, a new bridge for Bridal Veil. Wild West Fest showcases arts and the outdoors, uncovering the KGB in the CIA, and a mountain weather forecast. Those looking for pristine views of Telluride have one more spot to snap a picture. It's 40 feet in length, it's 40 feet above the ground, and it's at 9260 in elevation. So it just offers uh, stellar views of the uh, valley. That's Janet Cask, Director of Parks and Open Space for San Miguel County. That stellar view comes from a new bridge. The bridge crosses Bridal Veil Creek as part of the Bridal Veil Trail, created in 2019. A collaboration between San Miguel County, the town of Telluride, Ider Auto Mining Company, Telluride Mountain Club, and the Southwest Conservation Corps. With grant support from the Colorado Department of Transportation, Cask says the trail and the bridge help to create safer hiker access to Bridal Veil Falls, rather than hikers walking on the road with cars driving up and down. By leveraging the grant funds to improve the safety and accessibility and recreational opportunities, you know, the county and the mountain club, we were able to enhance, you know, this quality of life for all of our residents. Cask notes while the trail does hug the road, it feels like you're in the middle of nowhere. For as close as you are, your proximity to the road, um, you still feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. And it really offers hikers, um, you know, that just total um, experience of hiking in the woods and through the trees and over boulders and, you know, and just, um, you know, it's a rugged trail, it's primitive, it's natural. And, um, you know, we only get great feedback and comments uh, because of it, because people love that uh, experience. The bridge was completed in October 2021, flown in by helicopter piece by piece and welded together, but soon snow was flying. In turn, the county held a ribbon-cutting ceremony for the bridge last week. All in all, Cask says... An iconic bridge for an iconic trail. The Bridal Veil Trail takes off from the parking lot at the east end of the canyon. The hike is approximately 2.5 miles round trip. Prepare for cowboy boots and hats this week with the arrival of Wild West Fest. It's a program where we bring kids from different boys and girls clubs across the country, as well as a lot of regional kids, to Telluride for a week of empowering activities. We um, solicit donations and get grants for it so kids participate at no cost to their families. That's Maggie Stevens, PR and Marketing Director for the Sheridan Arts Foundation and Mentorship Director for Wild West Fest. In its 29th year, Stevens says Wild West Fest is built to give young people the opportunity to expand their horizons and experience all the beauty and adventure Telluride has to offer. We live in such a magical place. Um, it, it feels like a place that we want to share with kids who might not have camp experiences. A lot of these kids might not have the best home lives or are coming from kind of underserved communities. Um, so it, it's the goal is to kind of broaden their horizons, show them that uh, this is this is a, a place and a lifestyle and all these great things, you know, like outdoor activities. Activities, Western culture, all these fun things that are available to them. We want to we want to give them this opportunity to see um, a community that's really focused on the outdoors, uh, that's supportive, and and kind of extrapolate from that that they can do 
whatever they want to do. Throughout the week, students will get the chance to play music. In the morning, they're out hiking. In the afternoon, they're working with Mark Galbo and learning to play an instrument. And then they perform on Thursday, which is really fun. I always cry during that. Learn about fly fishing. We have Joel Kirkhoff and Paula Horgan, who are great local anglers who take the kids out. They do that for three days. Finally, a new mentorship program looking at ranching. They're doing um, our, our new mentorship this year is called Life on the Ranch, where they're going to three different ranches uh, in the region, one in Ridgeway, run up at Schmid Ranch, and then one with um, Ashley Stories Land on Telluride Slays and Wagons area. And they're learning about taking care of animals, agriculture, all the kind of huge responsibilities and fun of living on a ranch. While Stevens acknowledges the program is intended to be for the young people who participate rather than the community at large, she says Telluride should be proud to share its community. I'm so proud of this program and I think Telluride should be so proud of this program because it's about sharing our community with kids who might not even know about it otherwise or kids who might not get the same experiences that everybody else has, even if even though they're living 45 minutes away or even in our town. Um, so, I, you know, Telluride is such a supportive, wonderful community, and it's it's just a good reminder of how we can open up and share it with people and, and the focus of being in the outdoors and the beauty and having that accessible to everybody. Wild West Fest will kick off on Tuesday, June 7th. There are a number of activities open to the public. There will be a community barbecue down Valley on Tuesday, June 7th from 4.30 to 7.30 p.m. Students who focused on music will perform at 4.45 p.m. On Thursday, June 9th at the Sheridan Opera House Show Bar Patio, there will also be a concert on Friday, June 10th with Buzz and Buffalo Commons at the Sheridan Opera House at 8 p.m. Robert Baer is out to tell the biggest spy mystery in U.S. history. His new book, The Fourth Man, The Hunt for a KGB Spy at the Top of the CIA and the Rise of Putin's Russia, tells the story of a KGB mole in the CIA and off-the-books investigation into the mole by three female CIA operatives. It also sheds light on the interworking of the government's top-secret organization. Bear, a former CIA officer and New York Times bestseller, will be in Telluride this week for a book talk and signing. KOTO News spoke with Bear about the book, starting with how he found the story, before he even knew it existed. It was about 1995. I was still at the CIA. My boss calls me in and says, hey, I've got three ladies that I want to place in your group. And I said, fine. And, and he says, oh, by the way, they're going to be working on a project, uh, which you can't know about. It's compartmented and don't ask about it. So I said, fine. You know, CIA is a strange place. There's got to be some reason for this. One of the ladies came to work for me. And, and I never did ask. And a certain amount of trust built up. And I, and I know that she and the other two would often meet outside the building, which I thought was strange. It's too insecure to meet inside the CIA. And they were working off these air gap computers. And I had no idea what they were doing. And just like another weird thing that goes on at the CIA. And then so fast forward 20 years later, after 1995, uh, my former boss, who, who put this lady in my says there was another spy at the CIA. Um, he reached the very top. He's still alive. He names him you should pursue this. And I said, fine, I will pursue it, but, but where do I start? Just 
I will bring back in the two ladies, one of them is deceased, and they'll walk through the evidence for you. And what she did, we sat down for many days and walked through what's called the matrix, which is a deep chronology of unexplained compromises of, of Russian sources and, and intercepts and things like that. And then from there, from that basis, I just built it up. And then as I picked up new information, I called people and said, hey, I heard this. Is this true? People along, along the way would correct me or they wouldn't talk about it or frankly just lie to me. So that's how you found the story. What is the story? It's the biggest spy mystery in American history, frankly. And it was an investigation, uh, off-the-books investigation, conducted by three women at the CIA who discovered the mole. Uh, and as the evidence built up over the years, the FBI picked up the cudgel in 2005, 2006, and it's ongoing. As I wrote this book, it's still ongoing, and the, one of the suspects is still alive. The book is a nail-biter, it's a thriller, but it's also true. Why are these important stories to tell, and what can we learn by bringing these stories to light? Well, it's an explanation how we missed Vladimir Putin, first of all, which we did totally. By 1998, 1999, there were, the CIA and the FBI had no information on Russia. Uh, the fact is Vladimir Putin came to power uh, thanks to, uh, uh, frankly, it's a, it was a coup d'etat led by KGB agents. And why we missed this, it's right up there with Pearl Harbor. I mean, you know, and, and, and not knowing who Putin was, when he was in the KGB or what he was going to do constantly surprised us, whether it was the invasion of Georgia or the invasion of Ukraine. And, and we are, you know, at the cusp of possible World War III and, and not seeing this coming, not preparing for it, not, uh, you know, turning this guy back, containing him is a great intelligence failure. So I'm going back and explaining why, why we missed this. Um, that we had no human sources in Moscow to, to let us inside this conspiracy. In the 80s and 90s, every time we got a recruitment inside the KGB, he or she was betrayed. And, um, you know, it, it's an ignorance about Russia that surprised everybody. I mean, we thought that Kiev would be taken in 72 hours. And we, didn't, we didn't understand the Russian military, how corrupt it was. I mean, all sorts of things. You, in, in, a White House, you never want to let it get surprised. I mean, if we had known that Putin was serious about you know, invading Ukraine and that what really went through his mind, we could have prepared for the worst. You just touched on it, but for people who are reading the book now amidst the global experience of the U.S. and Russia and Ukraine, what do you hope people take from this book or learn from it? Well, I would go back to the fact that Russia is, you know, the, the product of our inattention to things foreign and especially what was happening to Russia in the 90s. We just we, we lost interest. Uh, we were betrayed. We didn't think that foreign things mattered. And it's really, a, a, you know, a, this book is a peephole into a foreign system. And it's also a peephole into the FBI and the CIA, how they actually work. It's the mechanics. Where so much of what we, we you know read and think about the world is you know so popularized and you know it's 
combat and the rest of it and and the seals and delta force and all the stuff like this um it, it's just it, we have such a superficial knowledge of the world which i don't think helps it doesn't help us when we vote uh, there's a certain ignorance about the way things work and i just want to give people who people who care about the way our government works will like the book um it's it's clearly a story you have to follow from the beginning and there's no heroes in this at all well the three ladies who break the case are heroes robert bear is the author of the fourth man the hunt for a kgb spy at the top of the cia and the rise of putin's russia you'll be at the wilkinson public library on wednesday june 8th at 5 30 p.m for a book talk and signing thanks for chatting with me See you then The Talking Gourds Poetry Club Bardic Trails Poetry Night is coming back to the Western Slope this month with featured poet Madison Gill. Gill started her poetry career in Slam Poetry Club at Montrose High School. In the years since, she's graduated with a degree in English from Colorado State University Pueblo, where she published work in the school's Tempered Steel Poetry Magazine. Her work has also been featured in The Right Launch, Tiny Spoon, Anti-Heroin Chic, The Bitch and Kitsch, Sledgehammer Lit, and Pocket Lint. In 2021, Gill won the Telluride Institute's Talking Gourds Poetry Program Cantor Prize for her poem, Yuraka. Talking Gourds Poetry Club is hosting this month's club in collaboration with the Wilkinson Public Library, Between the Covers Bookstore, the Telluride Institute, and the Telluride Arts District. At the event, Gill will read some of her own work, with time for questions about her influences and inspirations, and time for participants to share their own poetry. The event will take place on Tuesday, June 7th at 7 p.m. via Zoom. Registration is available at telluridelibrary.org. Game of Thrones may have made a song of ice and fire popular, but the story of ice and fire goes back way further. This week, the Telluride Science Research Center is kicking off its annual Town Talk series with ice and fire, volcanoes in the Arctic Ocean. The talk will feature Jonathan Snow, no, not that Jon Snow, a professor of geology at Louisiana State University. His research focuses on the physical and chemical processes that create volcanic magmas, illuminating information about the shifting of the Earth's surface. Snow is a lifelong explorer whose career has taken him across the globe. He will discuss undersea volcanoes, covering his Arctic expeditions, his inspiration, research, and the importance of studying the world's phenomenal geological processes. Local award-winning journalists Judy Muller and George Lewis will join to host the conversation. The Ice and Fire Town Talk will take place on Tuesday, June 7th from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. at the Telluride Conference Center in Mountain Village. The event is free and open to the public. Ballots for Colorado's upcoming primary election are being mailed out starting Monday. Unaffiliated voters will receive both Republican and Democratic primary ballots and will get to choose which one to participate in. Republicans have the most at stake in the June 28th primary race. They are choosing a candidate to challenge Governor Jared Polis. Several candidates are also still vying for a chance to compete in the brand new 8th Congressional District from Greeley to North Denver. 
Political observers say it could be one of the closest elections this November and might even determine which party controls the U.S. House. U.S. Forest Service investigators say the East Troublesome Fire that killed two people and destroyed hundreds of homes in 2020 was human-caused. As KOTO Scott Franz reports, authorities are still trying to figure out who is responsible. Investigators say they suspect a hunter or backcountry camper ignited one of the most destructive fires in state history. That's based on the time of year and what investigators found at the scene of the fire's origin. They also say it might have been an accident. The Forest Service offered those new details about their investigation on Friday. The fire broke out October 14, 2020, and quickly tore through the resort community of Grand Lake. The community has slowly been recovering from the disaster. Helicopters have reseeded hillsides to prevent flash flooding, and the town opened a museum exhibit about the fire last year to help residents grieve and recover. I'm Scott Franz in Denver. A new study it finds that the upper Colorado River Basin is drying out due to climate change. As KUNC's Alex Hager reports, in the future, parts of Colorado, Utah, and Wyoming could more closely resemble the desert southwest. Research from the Los Alamos National Laboratory predicts that mountain snow will start melting and running into streams and reservoirs much earlier. Scientists used artificial intelligence to test out different climate models over the next 30 years. Although there was some uncertainty, those models generally pointed towards loss of high-altitude snowpack due to warmer temperatures. Mountain snow is the largest source of water for the Colorado River, which supplies about 40 million people throughout the region. The changes are part of a process called aridification, a long-term drying that means conditions previously considered to be drought are instead the new normal. I'm Alex Hager. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for a slight chance of showers tonight, with mostly cloudy skies and a low around 45 degrees. Tuesday should be sunny during the day and mostly clear at night with a high around 70 degrees and a low near 50. Wednesday, expect sunny skies with a high in the mid-70s. Wednesday night calls for mostly clear skies with a low around 50 degrees. This has been the news for Monday, June 6th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.